Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Sorry for the scare. Let's go win some games. There he is, Nick Bosa. He is back with a five-year, $170 million extension. Becomes the highest-paid player on the defensive side of the ball in NFL history. It's $34 million per year in new money. New Ooh. money is Fugazi. It's a six-year, $188.9 million contract that pays out $31.4 million per year from signing. So you're saying when you add the fifth-year option, that's what you The fifth-year option right. of $17 million. Right. And what... what and this is a very fine point, but it's amazing to me how many agents miss this. The guys who entered the league before 17 games, their fifth-year option number doesn't include the check for the 17th game. So when they redo their contracts, that 17th game check just kind of disappeared. Right. In Bosa's case, they made sure they got it in there, and it's like a $1.7 million item. So that's on top of it. It's $188.9 million. $34 million in new money makes him the highest paid player in NFL history on the defensive side of the ball until Michael Parsons. I f- yeah, I feel like it's just a matter it's of time before that happens. This out. But that's the way it always works. You know why? I, the cap keeps going up. As long as the cap keeps going up, there's always going to be highest paid player in defensive history, yeah. offensive history, right. quarterback history, whatever. It's going to keep going up. The numbers are keep going up. That's the way it's always been. We were talking yesterday about how back in the 70s when Mike Schmidt, the former Philadelphia Phillies third baseman, was the first $2 million man in sports. The money keeps going up. The salaries keep going up. I know it freaks out the average person, but that's just the way it is because so much money keeps pouring into the game and half of it is going to the owners. Yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, I'd, I'd rather it, the money in the players' pockets than the billion-dollar owners who are going to be fine no matter what. I think that's just, you know, my baseline thinking there. But, man, I mean, one, like, not shocked that Nick Bosa, you know, we, we knew this. We knew he was going to be the highest-paid player in, the def- in defensive history. Did I think he was going to one-up, though, 
to this extent to get to the number 34 I didn't expect that Mike you know I, I didn't I think when you average it out right with the fifth year option it becomes 31.4 right that's, yes right but, but that's the, still good that's still, that's still good. damn good the, the, damn good and then the 34 a year new money average yeah that that's that's a shocking number I did not expect him to get to that I mean so this, this is why. This is where the whole thing's gone crazy to me. And Nick Post is the man. He's definitely one of the five best defensive players in football. You could argue he's the best defensive player in football. But, you know, the fact that he's $6 million more than T.J. Watt here, just after T.J. Watt, you know, like, what, a year ago, two years ago, signed this deal? Two years ago. Right? That's, that's, that was pretty shocking to me that it well, went that above the market. I think the fact that Aaron Donald was in between them helped. Yeah. When a defensive tackle's at 31.67 on that weird three-year deal where he had three years left, they ripped it up, they gave him 95 over three, pushes it to three, 31.67. That's what you're trying to beat if you're Nick Bosa. And, oh, wait – well, along the way, I beat the highest-paid edge rusher by $6 million. But again, it's just a year or so until Michael Parsons is even higher. And if the Cowboys try to, try to play the waiting game like they did with Dak Prescott, it's only going to be more expensive. Yeah. It's better to just recognize, you know, when you scratch off one of those lottery tickets in the draft, if you hit the jackpot... What that means is you're the one paying out the money. That's, but you have a great asset who's going to be a key part of your football team for years to come, and that's how the Cowboys need to view it. That's how the 49ers that's view it. That's right. And I th- I'm, sources close to me tell me, yeah. to what? use Dan Patrick's line, what? he could have gotten more. He just was ready to play. Yeah. He could have gotten more. But he was ready to show up and play. And we got a glimpse of him from that video at the top of the segment. He's good to go, I think. No, no, he's yeah. ready to go. Well, yeah, that, that's I never doubted that. You know, that that, that he is the the psycho of psychos. He's he leads the charge for what we talk about with the 49ers all the time. That they got they do have, you know, a bunch of renegades. And the thing that we love about the 49ers is that they go, hey, go run through the wall, and those players just go, sure, let's go run through the wall. Coach said to do it, and he's the leader of the the, the leader of that charge there in that way. So Bosa's phenomenal. He's you know, great for their culture and what they are, right? I think he's, he stands for everything what Shanahan wants the players to be. Totally invested. You know, every waking moment is work harder, do something this, pay attention to the details, brings intensity and energy out to the practice field on a daily basis. So that's, coaches love that. And then you go, oh, wait, Andy's the best player on our team? Okay, so that's when you reward that type of guy. And we know the 49ers are a team that don't want to really blitz. They really, Shanahan wants to rush four, drop eight. That's the kind of ball he wants to play. And if you want to play that type of ball, then you've got to have some dudes up front. And it starts with Nick Bosa. There's usually a rhythm, a pattern, a process to these kinds of holdouts. And there's a point where the guy shows up, the deal gets done. Kyle Shanahan was getting a little nervous about where things stood because we're getting past the point where it well, should have yeah. been done. Right, right, right. right. I he, told you a little bit about it. Well, and he said it at a press conference last week, okay, too. Cool. I, didn't want, I didn't want you okay, to think cool, I was cool. telling stories it, out of school. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah, it's good. You know, I, I know. I did. Thank you. I appreciate you being respectful yes. of that, right? But we were laughing a little yesterday, right? And I don't think he would have been mad for me, me telling this anyways. But, you know, after he was in, it was after the third preseason game and we were talking a little bit and I kind of just threw out like dude what's up with Bosa and he was like I mean I don't know I just I haven't I've been coaching the team and you know I know we're making progress but I I I don't know today was the first day I was like hey 
we're like, we got a game coming, and we got to get Nick Bosa back in the building. So, you know, of course, after that, that third preseason game and the team and the roster is set in order and everything like that, I'm sure Shanahan started to get involved a little bit more in the conversations. I wouldn't be shocked if Shanahan just said, you know, hey, you know, give him what he wants, whatever. And they obviously did some finagling there too, right? They asked George Kittle to finagle some contract. And restructure. Trent for, Williams yeah. as well, right? Um, so um, it seemed like it was a team and an organizational effort to, to get this done for Nick Bosa because they get a tough challenge, sneaky tough challenge this week going to Pittsburgh and playing that crew. It, it is a funny dynamic. I need to mention this because every once in a while I'll do one of the radio shows in the Bay Area. Yeah. And they just assume. I know, right? Shanahan tells you everything. That's right, right. You tell me everything. Right. And all they have to do is ask me the question on the air, <laughs> yeah. and I'll tell them yeah, right. everything, too. They do the same thing to my it's dad. It's hilarious. My dad goes on out there, and he's like, they think I know everything because they think you've told me everything about Shanahan and everything like that. And it's just not how it works. And it's I'll not. tell them, even if you're right, right, that Shanahan has told Sims everything and that Sims <laughs> has told me everything, I ain't telling you shit. <laughs> That's great. I mean, what am I going right. to do? Oh, I'm right. just going to come on and start blabbing like you give me a drink, and all of a sudden, like you give me some schnapps, and I'm going to start saying everything that I know that I shouldn't say. Well, sorry, London, yeah, by the yeah, way. Sorry, hey. They, they have a disclaimer back. before the show now, <laughs> actually. So, well, I mean, if they're going to put a disclaimer before the show then even we might begins, as well deliver. Then, then we may as well live up to right. it because you got people watching saying, well, wait a minute, they put up a disclaimer. It's been an hour and these <laughs> yeah. guys haven't said anything yeah, offensive. Uh, you're right. All right. I'm, I'm going to get warmed up here in, second, <laughs> in the second hour. Here I come, London. I'm coming. Um, but but I, I, it, is, it is a funny dynamic. And, you know, as I've always told you, Shanahan, we have a great relationship. But, yeah, he does not tell me everything. And I don't ask him everything. And, you know, I know other people in that organization. So if I need to, like, really find something that's a little dicey that I know Kyle wouldn't They'll tell They'll because they think Kyle told you anyway. Well, that's might. the way they to do might. it. They, you know, <laughs> so there, there's other ways I can get information out of that organization. But uh, I, I'm glad to see them do it. Just like we talked about with the Chiefs and Chris Jones and, and Kelsey playing, you want to see the really good teams at full strength to see their potential, their capabilities here, right? I wouldn't want to go at the end of the season and go, oh, man, the 49ers are a fourth seed because they lost a few games early on in the year because their players weren't there and whatever. And I think really they're the best team, but now they got a really tough road because of the fourth seed in those early season losses. So, you know, um, this, of course, settles them down. And um, I'm excited to see what I think will probably be the most physical game of the weekend between the Steelers and the 49ers. It's a game that should not be 1 o'clock Eastern. I, I'm, it I'm is pretty a shocked big by game. It. It's right. one of those games that like, it was a Super Bowl matchup that never happened that feels like it should have happened at some it point. It does. It feels like those helmets should have been yeah. next to each other. And, and, and uh, they play once every four years with the possibility of playing every, you know, in between that one time with that new scheduling rotation. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And to get that game week one at 1 o'clock Eastern when it could have been held for some point later in the year in a standalone spot, I know that's the game I'm going to be watching more closely than any other. That's the game where the audio will be on in the new and improved viewing room. Oh, I, I can't wait. We got a new improved. Yeah. We got a, a TV hey, for every game. Well, here, here's the reality. Go ahead. Let them know. Well, <laughs> the squeaky wheel does get the grease because this guy's been complaining openly for a couple of years now about the quality of the room where we watch the game, which was fine. See, I'm wired to just adapt. To I, see, I know you are. And, and that's – I should be the – I'm the one that's got the reputation of being the butthole, and I never complain about anything. Right. As long as the check clears, I don't care. You know, people come like, oh, I should be on the air more. 
you know, other people, I don't care. Yeah. You're paying me. Yeah. Use me when you want to use me. Right. Don't use me. I don't care. And like oh, this background, there's no Chiefs helmet. I don't care. <laughs> I did. We're, we're at the game, you know, watching the games. Yeah. Oh, oh, it could be. Yeah, look at this. Stuff. We can't. I don't care. But you're always like, I can't believe this. And you squeaked. <laughs> I did. The wheels squeaked enough, and we got a brand new viewing room it's this amazing. year. Well, I came, first off, I came in in the viewing room. You know, before COVID and all that was was better than what we had. So I guess I was a little somewhat spoiled early on. Right. And then we went into I don't know, we went into this. We watched all the games on one huge screen. And I yeah, you know, anybody that listens to me and knows me. Yeah, I gave I gave my bosses and everybody a hard time a little bit. I was, and he will not let it go. I would not you let it go. A dog like, oh, on yeah, a bone. We're NBC. We invented TV, but we're going to put all the games on one TV. <laughs> that's that's how we're going to do it. We invented TV and radio, but we're going to put 10 games on one TV and go, hey, watch them all and squint. And so, yeah, I kept ribbing them and ribbing them and ribbing them and. You're right. The squeaky wheel got oil this time. Just to shut you up, they did it. It's great. It's great. Um, but it still is. And look, I know this is the ultimate first world problem. It is overwhelming. And I'm going to be curious to see how Devin McCourty, the new member of Football Night in America, Yeah, that first it. Sunday is. Because, yeah. first of all, right. you're in a studio and not in a stadium, which is a major adjustment, as Drew Brees learned a couple of right. years ago. Right. And then on top of it, you're watching eight, nine, ten games at once. And it is sensory overload. And, you know, you're influenced by which game has the sound on, but you're trying to pay attention to this other one. Right. What's happening over here? And wait a minute, I'm supposed to talk about this. And then this, somebody yells about, about something about this. else. Oh, and look at this. And you just kind of accept, and this is year 15 for me, you just kind of accept, God, it's year 15. Yeah. How have they not figured out that I'm right. a complete and total fraud <laughs> at some point in the last 15 years? But, but um, gosh, did, did I say that out loud? You did. But, but uh, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, you just get used to it because you, you've got no yeah, other choice. Yeah, you get trained you to just it. Have to, you have you to do. get used to it. You do. You train. You, and you, you accept it's just – You're not going to see it you're all. You're not going to see you it all. you grab the important things and, and kind of ride with that. And uh, uh, listen, I'm excited for it. Sunday's going to be awesome. And why we're on it, again, Sunday – you know, I, what do you think, Bosa? You know, I, this is one where I go, do you think he plays the whole game? Let's hear from your friend. He's got a, we got a little side here. Here's Kyle Shanahan. Right. On the record, this is not a hacked phone call with Chris. This is Kyle Shanahan talking to reporters on whether or not Bosa will play on Sunday. Is there any question in this, at this point whether he's going to be in uniform on Sunday? Um, I mean, there is question because we haven't seen him. But I think you guys know how I'm talking. Like, I have to be... You have to have a beer belly and be out of shape or something. That's which that's not in in Bosa's DNA. We got to see when he gets here. I know Nick will come in shape. I know he'll be good. Um, it'd be great if he could get in something today. I don't know when he's going to get here or where he's flying from. Um, but I know we'll, we'll we'll be smart with it, and that'll be based over these next two and a half practices. It just shows you how entrenched Nick Bosa was that he wasn't in town, ready to go because that's. Yeah. A significant factor is you get closer and closer to the game time. Yeah, right. And plenty of agents will do this, where they have the guy squirreled away in a secret location where when the deal is done, oh, how long until he gets here? Oh, he's walking across right the, street. the street. He's He'll here right, right now. He's, I've, I've had him yeah. here right now, right. and we're right. ready to go. Right. Um, you know, 
I think it's the first time I ever saw Kyle Shanahan smile. Wait, right? I, I'm glad you brought it up. I was going, am I noticing this? Am I, <laughs> am I friend with him? And I, but he was about as loose as you've seen him. So that just tells you what a relief it was for him to have Bosa under contract back. And he knows. You know, they know. It, it, it's Shanahan. We talk about him being a psycho. He's got a GM that believes in defense and psychos on the field. That's how he made his career. He was one of them and a, one of many there down in Tampa Bay. So they understand what he means to their football team. And you're right. It's the first thing I thought. I haven't seen Shanahan be loose like that, and I don't know when. Because he's always guarded. Right. He's always careful. Look at him. He's smiling, Even like at hanging. the league meetings when – yeah. That's when the coaches are usually looser. Yeah, he's, he's still, still pretty always, guarded. Yes. There's always, because, you know, he's on the lookout for right. somebody that's going to take Some something stupid uh, turn headline. into an annoying headline, <laughs> right? But every, careful about everything. <laughs> yesterday, he didn't care. Because yesterday, you know what he found out? He found out that this Steelers offense that is pretty damn good and the world has yet to figure it out, although the, the sun is rising on that it reality. It definitely is, right? Now he's got people. Nick Bosa yeah. to help slow that offense down exactly right yeah how could you not be they're watching that going damn look at Kenny Pickett he looks like he's ready to go and kind of explode onto the scene here and then he's going damn they're going look at these receivers whoa we can't leave our guys manned up or in single situations here a whole lot and that's where a Bosa will come in handy that allows them to you know help out a little bit in some other areas against what we're looking for to be one of the, I think the surprising offenses in football, that's what I'm expecting, you know, at least as compared to last year. I know the preseason, and we've talked about it a lot. But you're right. I've seen a lot of people on TV over the last, like, five days, all of a sudden Pittsburgh's the team to jump on or watch out for or whatever else. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's, they, they pose problems for you. And you know they're going to be balanced, too. They want to run the ball. They're never going to give up on that. Um, yeah, it, it just feeds into this matchup that we're about to see on Sunday at 1 p.m. I, I think I mentioned this yesterday in our power rankings. Wherever I had the Steelers, I think at 14, a month ago it would have seemed high. And now it's starting to seem low because everybody's waking up to the reality that, you know, good organizations cannot be disregarded because they've proven that they find a way year in and year out to be there. It's amazing. And, and, that's, and the flip side of that is, frankly, that's why I'm skeptical about the Lions. And... I, I think Coach Dungy, who grew up a Lions fan, is skeptical because he's seen this movie before. Yeah, right. There have been years where the Lions get hype and they don't deliver. So let's just see if they can deliver. They don't have that. And all of a sudden, culture has become a bad word. I'm going to keep using it. I don't care. It's my show. They have a culture of losing. Yeah. Culture matters. Right. The Steelers have a winning culture that is embedded into their DNA top to bottom. And that matters. Yes, it does. So, but it may not matter now that Nick Post is back. It don't matter week two when the Browns come to town. No, it, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. It, it's, it's, uh, that, to me, is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm happy for the 49ers. And uh, I expect Bosa, you know, I'm going to say he plays 70% of the snaps, somewhere in that general vicinity. I'll take the over. You know? Because I think he rolls through the door. He might. Ready to go. He might. You're right. He's, he's been he's doing ready. pass rush drills with his dad. He, I mean, he's went out and hired somebody. I mean, he's, I he don't know this, has. No, that, but I, I think suspect that's who he that is. he's ready to go. He's been, from, from everything I knew, I think he's been down in Florida and going at it. And I'm sure he's aware of game shape and all of that and trying to push himself and test himself to a capacity to get him as much ready for actual game as he can, but that, that tackle of Matthew Stafford, he could have ended his life. Oh, he, he could have just body slammed. He just kind of—it was just like, oh, we're going to let him down, right, nice go and down. easy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, 
pass rusher from one Bay Area team to a pass rusher from a team that was in the Bay Area until a few years ago, Chandler Jones. An update on this. He's posted some more things on Instagram, and he seems to be unhappy with the fact that the Raiders sent someone from the local Las Vegas crisis response team to his home. But I think that is the legitimate reaction to what we saw the other day. Let's make sure Chandler Jones is okay because he's acting in a way that gives the reasonable person concern that, you know, are you okay? And in an age, we talked about this just yesterday, and in an age where we are so sensitive to the mental health of everyone, after everything the world's been through the past few years, there's nothing wrong with the Raiders reacting the way they did. That is the safe and prudent course. What if they hadn't done that and he really had needed some sort of intervention? And there's so, history a little I've of got that. no problem with that. There was an incident back in, in 2016 New in right. New England, right. a bizarre incident. And there was, I believe the report was, there was some sort of synthetic marijuana involved. We were looking that up yesterday to yeah. just kind of no, figure out because right it wasn't the first time there was something unusual. But we're concerned about the guy's well-being and the team is concerned about his well-being. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. There's some other stuff that he posted on social media that suggests that that they've basically been freezing him out for a few weeks now. And, you know, I, I've kind of heard this idea that he's just not coming to terms well with the fact that he's a supporting player now, that it's Max Crosby and they hope Tyree Wilson, and he's kind of a second-tier guy on his team. And that's a, that's a rude awakening for a guy who's always been the guy. Sure. I, I just, I, you know, how much are they freezing him out? You know, that, that's where I don't understand. One here, the first thing I want to say is his tweets and some of the things he said that he deleted – Right would make you think that you're not mentally in the best space. So and then we're just making sure you're okay. And they're just so that that I exactly right. So just connecting the dots there. That that's that's you know maybe was worth sending the crisis team there. There is a history. We know that. And I you know again I don't have a lot of inside info here or feel for this situation. And this is a delicate one for sure. It's just that you know like I was saying, where is he frozen? He's still. The starting defense end for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, we know if Tyree Wilson continues to get healthy here and produces, okay, maybe he won't be the starter. Maybe he doesn't play as much. But he's still getting paid a lot of money. The Raiders are paying him a lot of money. I think the Raiders paid him probably more than maybe he was actually worth to kind of jumpstart their culture because they knew what he was about a little bit. So, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Chandler Jones. He's a great guy, but this one is a little confusing to me here, and, and uh, I just don't know really what to make of the whole situation. He also posted a text exchange supposedly with Josh McDaniels right, right. from August the 18th, a couple of weeks ago. Josh, I didn't want to come off as rude, disrespectful, or above you. I know my place. I just honestly felt those ways and thought it was okay to let you know. That is all. It's always love, brother. What McDaniels, and if, if this is accurate, if this is McDaniels responding, a lot to work through. We'll let you know the timeline. Please be available to Dave Ziegler, the GM, or I, or anyone else from the organization reaches out. So that created the impression he wasn't even with the team. And then under that, he posted, if you send another one, another one over here in reference to the person from the crisis response team, I'm going to start sharing videos live from my other phone. I'll be nice, Josh. I wanted to play Sunday. If you let me play, I won't share anything else. So, again, it points to this idea that, like, what are they? Were they trying to trade him? Was he on they, the block? That's what it well, kind of seems hey, like. Hey, what did they do with Derek Carr last year? Yeah, right. They, they, when they knew they were done with Derek Carr, they put him on ice. And it very well could be they're trying to trade Chandler Jones. And we're going to keep him in bubble wrap. We're going to keep him away from the team. We're going to keep him away from any potential injuries while we 
try to find someone who would take on the balance of Chandler Jones' contract. That may be the simplest explanation for it. And when they did what they did to Derek Carr, the message to every other player is, you're not off limits from the same kind of business decision. And that's what they did last year. Business decision late in the year. Hey, we owe Derek Carr $40 million. It becomes fully guaranteed in February. If he can't pass a physical by then, we owe him that money. All we can do is get him off the field while he's still healthy so we can cut him after. This. It's exactly why they did it. Right. Exactly why they did it. Right. And maybe, maybe that's the answer. They want to trade him, so they're keeping him healthy so they can see how it goes. And I've already seen, I can't remember who it was, the reporter that threw this out there, but the Raiders are already being pegged by other teams as a team that will be doing a fire sale before the trade deadline. And why wouldn't they be? We don't expect them to contend this year. I know that this is the time where everybody is last half full optimistic. We don't expect the Raiders to contend this year. Not in that division, not in that conference. They they would not be on, you know, the hierarchy of the AFC or the AFC West, like you're saying. I do think they're a team that, you know, you've heard me say, I think, a little over the last week or two, that I think they could surprise people, right? But, yeah, I think when you look at it and really evaluate it, you go, yeah, there's some things to like about their roster, but I still don't think it's where they want it to be you know, across the board. They're in this for the long play, like we've talked about from the beginning. It's the New England regime. They're not looking to throw a bunch of millions of dollars at a guy just to make it work for one year. They want something sustainable, you know. I know Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler. They want to build something New Englandy. that is, hey, we're here for 10, 15 years, and, you know, we got a formula that we adhere to, and that's how we make it work. Um, you know, th- this situation... I was like, if they were out of it, I certainly wouldn't be shocked to see Chandler Jones on the on the trade block, or if they felt like, okay, we're definitely not contending here. We're getting close to the trade line, uh, trade deadline. Let's make a move. But yeah, we'll see where this goes right now. It's ooh, certainly a little ooh. bit of a. And just issue. came up with a new leader house. Yeah, the trade line. The trade. Line. I like the trade line. <laughs> yeah, I like the trade You're line. Right. A simsism that actually it it just makes everything more well, efficient. We don't need to say trade deadline. It's there's the a trade, trade line. and there's a freaking it's the line. Trade line. We know it now. Right. And the the Raiders are in the leader house to be the sellers at the trade line. <laughs> yes, I like yes. that. All right, look at that. It's cut uh, all those words out. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, can Russell Wilson bounce back after a rough opening season with the Broncos? We're going to take a look at how the AFC West will play out. This this season, or at least how we think it will, when PFT Live continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You attracted more than your share of doubters in the past year. Do you keep receipts or not? Uh, yeah, I think you got them in your back pocket sometimes. Yeah. I think that, um, listen, I, I'm used to the, uh, I'm used to uh, some, of those, some of those who believe and some of those who doubt. And I think that when you're, um, you know, you're playing high, high stakes and playing um, and, you, and you, you know, dream to be the, the best that you can possibly be every day, um, there's always going to be people that question whether you can do it or not. And I think I've proven that, you know, throughout my career, what I can do. And uh, i got to do it again. Look, that's a lot of the same old cliche stuff. We always have doubters. We always have doubters. But usually the guys who say we have doubters don't have doubters. They're just looking for something. Tom Brady, no one believes in us. Remember that crap? Right. There's a tangible reason to doubt Russell Wilson. It's his entire resume from 2022 with the Denver Broncos. And this year, we'll find out fairly quickly whether it was Nathaniel Hackett, the one-year coach of the Broncos, who misused Russell Wilson and didn't properly do the job as coach, or is it just, you know what, it's not working, it's not happening, it's over. He was a great piece of a team, and this gets back to what he had wanted for years. He wants the offense to flow through him. He doesn't want to just be a bystander, a guy who hands off and throws the ball here or there while the defense carries the team and the running game lifts the offense. He wants to be the straw that stirs the drink offensively. He got the chance last year. It didn't work. That's why people are doubting him, because last year was a disaster. And we'll see if Sean Payton can turn him around. If Sean Payton can't turn him around, then it is over. Maybe Payton can turn him around, and I would bet that he can. If he can't, it's not Payton's fault this time. It's not the coach's fault this time. It's the quarterback's fault. Yeah, no. One, I'd be shocked if we didn't see a better Russell Wilson because of Sean Payton. And on Sean Payton, yeah, I mean, hey, he's one of the best offensive minds we've seen in football the last 20 years, right? He's got a, a system and a creativity about him that's as, as good as it gets in the NFL. And then I think he knows how to play to his players. That's, that's where he'll be smart. So he'll, he'll make where Sean, I think, is also great is he's going to make Russell feel like it's going through him, but yet Sean's really going to manage the game the way he wants to manage the game. You know? He's going to you know, let him make some checks of the line of scrimmage, give him some double play calls, do all of that. But I, I think Sean Payton here... He's more into winning and building something rather than, ooh, I got to let Russell go out and justify this contract and show he's a star. I think they, they probably take it slow, you know, and maybe somewhat conservative a little bit early on, um, but w- would be more shocked if it didn't work out than did. I, I, Russell Wilson, work ethic, still has talent. They got a better O-line now. And then you got Sean Payton and his system and what he brings to a football team. Uh, the Broncos are one of those teams I look at and I go, I don't know exactly what to expect for them. They're definitely a wild card for me in the AFC here. Well, that's right. And look, there's too many great teams in the AFC to look at the Broncos and say, ooh, they're headed for the playoffs. Yeah. But Sean Payton has said, I'm going to be pissed off if we're not a playoff team. And that's fine, but you got the Chargers and the Broncos in your division, and you have all those other great teams that aren't going to win their own divisions and are going to be jockeying for wild card berths. It's just going to be difficult to pull that inside straight and get the seventh seed in the AFC, which is how the Broncos would do it. If they're going to pull it off, I assume it's going to be grabbing that last spot, 
last weekend of the season, everything falls their way. And when the dust settles, it's like, hey, the Broncos are the ones through tiebreaker or whatever sure. that end up in that spot. All right. So we've done it for most of the other divisions. Although yeah. I can't remember doing it for the AFC South. And again, the AFC South is generally forgettable. I, I can't hear what Courtney said. We either have or haven't done it. So we have not done the AFC South. Right. So, so I haven't forgotten the most forgettable division in all of football. And maybe we'll get to it. Maybe we won't. AFC West, fourth place, third place, second place, first place. Who do you think finishes at the bottom? I, I think we agree on this. Well, one. no, I, I think I pulled a curveball on you here. Wow. Yeah. You can put the Chargers down there? No, I'm going to put the Broncos down there. Wow. Yeah. Now well, I, yeah, you're just t- talking like the Broncos can well, be pretty good. Uh, they're, they're, they all, this whole division scares me. I mean, I wish I could tell you what I think here, but they all got qualities about them where I go, damn, I, I like what I see here. I like that. You know, I'm yeah, I guess I'm playing a little bit on that. The Raiders, McDaniels, second year, big offensive line, right? Second year in the defense. And I think they're going to be a little bit more of a pain in the butt than people realize. The Broncos, I guess I still look at it and just go, yeah, I still think it's, it's, it's learning the Sean Payton way. I think they're going to be a pain in the butt. They'll be in the mix. If they miss out and they are fourth place, like, like you were saying, I don't think it's going to be far. But I guess, you know, I, I just want to see Russell Wilson. I question... The receiving core a little bit. They've taken some blows there, right? I, the front seven, there's some guys with potential there, but I, I, it's like a little bit, I got to see it first. You know, who's the guy on the front seven that we really look at to go, ooh, game changer. You know, we got to mess with the game plan because we're worried about this guy. You know, I know there's Randy Gregory, Frank Clark. Can they be what we think they can be? Yeah, again, I go back to the word potential with Denver. I don't know what to quite make with them. Vance Joseph, I have a lot of respect for him on that defensive side of the ball too, but I guess I just wonder if they have enough difference makers on the roster to kind of get it done. I'm putting the Raiders in fourth because okay. I just don't think they have the players yet. Yeah, it's, it's and, and look, this is a common question. problem for the coaches and the executives who leave the Bill Belichick nest. Even if they say, we're going to do things differently, we're going to be our own people, we're not going to be little mini Belichick. Yeah. They don't realize that after you are around him for that long, you become They're already like mini him. Belichick. You're right. already him. Yeah. You've picked it up by osmosis. What is normal to you is Belichickian to the rest of us. Right. And it happened to Matt Patricia in Detroit. Now, I know the fact that the Lions are turning it around is making Patricia more of a, oh, see, what a joke that was. The problem is you're bringing a guy in who's doing it the Belichick way with a team that wasn't. And there's a culture shock there. Oop, there's that word again. There's a, but there's a culture shock yeah, there right. when the Belichick people come in and start disrespecting players. That may be the root of what's happened with Chandler Jones. He feels disrespected by these guys who are acting toward him the way Bill Belichick acts toward players. There's a distance. There's an aloofness. There's, you know, hey, we got to cut this guy at some point. I don't want to like him. I don't want that to influence my assessment of his overall abilities. i got to know when to pull the Band-Aid off of this one and move on to the next one. So that takes time. And what you ultimately need is to cycle out the players who can't deal with that because they're used to a different culture and bring in new players who can deal with it. Yeah. Your players. Right. Patriots players. Sure. That's the way. And so and I, I don't think Mark Davis is going to be impatient. I don't think he was impatient with John Gruden. I think John Gruden would still be the coach despite the fact that the team stunk under John Gruden. He wasn't going to fire John Gruden. And Mark Davis, I think, will hang with this because he knows it takes time. And and we're seeing this process of 
it takes time. And I just don't think they have the guys there who are going to thrive at the level that they need them to. I, so that's I, why I, I'm in fourth that's place. That's a fair question. That's a fair question. I, you know, again, I, you know, I, I, I want to go with the Raiders and why I put them at third a little bit too. And it was dicey. I, you know, this is one where I went back and forth between Broncos and Raiders for three and four. But the Raiders, the thing I will say, one, you know I think very highly of McDaniels and his offensive you know, game planning, everything he does there. They have sneaky, one of the better offensive lines in football. There's a reason Josh Jacobs was the leading rusher in, in the NFL last year. You break down the, the offense. Is, what I'm getting at is the offense, I think, can be dangerous. That I do. The defense is where I come back to what you're saying. We know they got the, pa- the three pass rushers, but who else is there? You know? You got some questions in the secondary. They're kind of remaking that. There's no household name at linebacker or anything there. So that's where I do worry about them. Uh, but damn, this division, you know, even this, we're talking about Broncos. Right? There's, there's a lot of positives. They got your tight end, you know, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, who you like and you're excited to see. So I think they're a team that's going to be able to score and put up some points. I guess I just question, yeah, how good the defense is and yeah, can they leg- legitimately slow down the Chargers and the Chiefs when, when it comes time to have to do that? I've got the Broncos at third. You've got the Raiders at third. So that leaves Chargers, Chiefs, two and one. Yeah. Are you going to throw another curveball no, on you? Say no, the Chargers you, 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 know, you know me. I'm I'm like I'm like the most chalk guy. I picked the Chiefs, I think, to be in the Super Bowl five years in a row, or at least four years in a row. And I did that again this year. So I got the Chiefs definitely winning the division. I didn't have them as the number one seed, like in the overall playoffs, but I do have them winning the Who do you have as the number one seed? I went with the Ravens this year as the wow. one seed. Wow. Peter King took the Jaguars because weakest division, favorable sure. schedule right. makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. I hear the, I hear you there. But uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, I, I like I like the Chargers. They got a ton of talent. We know that. I'm excited to see the new offense and what um, uh, our man Kellen Moore can bring to the table there. Defense, you know, can they all be healthy at the same time? Can Khalil Mack, Bosa, J.C. Jackson, all of them get out on the on the field at the same time? Derwin James. It just is always something there with them on that side you of the used, ball. You used the word. It's always something. Always something. Roseanne, 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 the team of the National Football League. I know. Timely reference, kids. Look it up. It's always something. And I see people... Who should know better? Buying into the Charger hype. Ooh, look at this. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at this. Yeah, it's the same thing every year. Ooh, look at this. Oh, wait, that guy's out four to six weeks. Oh, that guy's out two months. Oh, wait a minute. That guy's, you know, been playing through an injury for the past two months and we didn't even know about it. So they've got fundamental issues in the organization that affect the availability of their players. There's a point where it is no longer bad luck. There's a point where it's no longer stuff happens. There's something there, and I don't know how much they're trying to get to the bottom of it. And I still submit to you, Chris, there is a ton of pressure on Kellen Moore because he's the guy that's either going to save Brandon Staley or not. Because if that offense doesn't reach its full potential or something close to it, we both know the, 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 the vultures have been circling the Chargers for a couple of years now. And any coach out there with options is thinking, that's where I want to go because that's where Justin Herbert is. So a ton of pressure on Staley, a ton of pressure on Kellen Moore, a ton of pressure on the team, and plenty of people like, hey, I really like how the Chargers look this year, and hey, I, that, it may happen. But well, on paper, at some point, like. history yeah. needs to advise us on what the future may entail. Well, hopefully they've made changes, whether it's training, what they do in the, tra- you know, in the weight room, you know, and rehab, whatever, the, that has to be evaluated. You know, the one thing I'll, 
you know, the, the one thing I'll say, yeah, I mean, it's just been unfortunate. And I don't know if it's you blame the head. I know we blame the head coach, certainly. I, I get it. You know, a little bad luck. There's got to be something else going on there. I'm with you there. But, yeah, I, I, I just, when it came down to it, I made the Chargers too, and I don't have them making the playoffs. Okay, it's just not that it's an e- it's a hard year in the AFC West. And they're a little bit of where I just got to see it to believe it a little here. I know they went to the playoffs last year, uh, but the year was up and down throughout. And then, of course, to have one of the worst playoff losses in the history of the NFL, uh, that doesn't help the situation out either. We know there's talent on this team, but just yet, yeah, can they stay healthy? Can they play together, stay together the whole year? Uh, if so, then maybe they will, you know, surprise us. That's a tough thing to wash away, what happened against the Jaguars. I agree. And we just kind of all forgot about it, but that's a huge, huge way to go out, and it hovers over the team. It stays with you. And, and that's why I just say it's premature to just assume everything's going to be fine. There's reasons to believe Maybe it won't be fine, and it's always something with the Chargers. So Chargers two, Chiefs one. How can you not? I got the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl two. Who got the Chiefs playing? I got them playing the 49ers. I do too. Yeah, do you really? We spent. <laughs> yeah, I had the 49ers beating the Eagles this year in the NFC Championship game. People get mad when I say that if Brock Purdy doesn't get injured, the 49ers were going to beat the Eagles that day. But I believe that if Brock Purdy doesn't get injured, the 49ers would have beaten the Eagles There's that day. There's a lot of people because there. it still felt like for a while they were hanging around and making it interesting. Well, I, you know, I, I won't go as far as you to say, but but that game was definitely going to be. You know, we're going to bite our nails down the stretch there if Brock Purdy stays healthy. You know, just as you saw, you know, on the play he got hurt. They had a game plan on some things set up where I think they felt like we, we on offense can take advantage of some of the things that the Eagles do. And that was going to be a big play to Brandon Ayuk. But you know, they're very evenly matched football teams. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say they would have won it, but I certainly think that would have came down to the very end of the football game. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, as I fish for the document that tells me what I should be teasing, lots of hype around the Lions. Are they embracing it? We'll hear from Dan Campbell on that point next. More PFT Live right after this. Let's talk about the hype train. You know, those first 24 games, you probably spent a lot of time talking to your team and bolstering their confidence. And now these last 10 games, you win 8 out of 10. You're the hottest team in ball. You're playing the Chiefs on Thursday night to start the season. How do we slow down the hype train, or or, or do we want to? (laughs) No, I I think more more than anything, here here is... um... Yeah, you got to be careful, especially we have a young team, you know, and it's not the veterans I worry about as much as I do the young guys. And, and look, a lot of that goes, I've told those vets, a lot of it, it falls on their shoulders too now. Let's live in the moment and uh, let's stay true to what it really is, you know, and we know all we can do is put the work in if we really want to go to where we want to go. But I think that what we, what we cannot forget and what the team knows is, all right, who won a division last year? You know, Minnesota won the division, all right? And who has won it uh, almost every year before that? Well, Green Bay. So those are the kings in this conference, and, and Chicago is loaded back up. And, oh, by the way, we didn't make it to the playoffs last year. So we're still hungry. We still got something to prove um, to ourselves. You know, we haven't done anything yet. Dan Campbell talking about the hype around the Lions, and he's right. They haven't done anything. That's the right attitude, and that could cause some to say, well, maybe they are ready to do something. But this is a team that has not won a playoff game 
since 1991. I was telling Devin McCourty this story the other night because one of the things I'm trying to get him ready for is the fact that when you're watching all the games on a Sunday, they don't cut to the halftime studio of all the games. They stay at the stadium, and you'll see things from time to time about whatever ceremony may be happening or whatever. 2016, that was even before. Yeah, us. That was before your time. Yeah. Yeah. 2016, there's a Lions home game. And I see a bunch of guys out on the field, Barry Sanders, Chris Spielman. They got their jackets on. It's like, oh, what are the line? You know, they put somebody in the ring of honor. What are they doing? Oh, they're having a celebration. They're having a commemoration of the 25-year anniversary of the last time they won a playoff game. And my first thought was, and Devin was laughing when I was telling him this last night, because he comes from a team yeah, that like, it's like you know, they barely it's Super celebrate Bowl. a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's probably not something we should be you know, drawing attention to. This isn't something to put on a T-shirt. 25 years since our last playoff win. But that all factors into this equation. Are they ready for this? And I'd be upset as a Lions fan. I'd be happy that we're relevant. I'm so used to being beaten down and overlooked and no respect. Oh, we want respect for the team. Nobody's talking about us. Those idiots on, on PFT Live aren't talking about us. We're not we're talking about you. That's the good news. The bad news is we're paying attention to you. Yeah. The bad news is we got to see what you got. We got to see if you're ready. And we're going to all say, see, same old Lions if you're not. So it's, it's I, and as somebody who loves a good story, I hope they are ready. But to the extent that when in Rome we have to try to project what's going to happen, I think it's safe to say that there's no reason to believe that all of a sudden they're going to be a juggernaut. No. Maybe they will be. Right. But history tells us it's just the way it is. And, yes, at some point history will change, and maybe this is the moment where it's happening. All I'm saying is let's see it. But Dan Campbell's comment is in the maybe it is changing territory because he's aware, he seems to be aware of right. the same thing we are. Right. They've got to prove that they can do something before anyone will really take them seriously. Yeah, well, you know, he, he, he'd been around Sean Payton and Bill Parcells. He knows it's about put up or shut up. It's not about on paper or what the betting odds are or what the public thinks. So he's old school that way and knows what, you know, the, the, the proper messages to send to the football team. They showed us some signs down the end of the season last year to go, ooh, there's some things to like here that are tangible that should carry over. Now, you know, is there enough of a, a culture, an infrastructure, a mentality, whatever you want to say there, that they can carry it over and, and take advantage of kind of that momentum they had last year? I don't know. It's not as easy as everybody thinks. You know, I think everybody looks at it and thinks like, oh, well, you know, back in my little league or my high school, well, this ain't little league or high school. Teams change a lot, and even your own team changes a lot. The lifeline of last year's team, it. Even though there's a good amount of guys back, there's still some different pieces here that add to a different dynamic of the football team. Yeah, Jamal Williams is in there, right? You know, now you got C.J. Gardner-Johnson. You hope he brings things. But there's some new pieces and some guys that left as well that were a part of that rise last year. So, um, yeah, I think that's where, you know, going back to the start of the show, I'm interested to see the reaction they have to the bullseye on their back and that goes even into the quarterback and everything i know everybody's on the jared goff hype train i like jared goff a lot but am i sitting here sold that oh yeah jared goff's just gonna hit the ground running here and he's gonna take the league over and and do all that i i, I don't i don't know i'm not i'm not gonna say that either you know as i've told you many times i think it 
and last year with how bad their defense was, I think it was easy to play quarterback and offense for that football team. Oh, we're down and we got to be aggressive because the other team's just going to go down and score all game. Okay, well, that's the kind of offense you want to be a part of. But what's it going to be when, ooh, we're down 10-7 and now if I make a mistake or don't make the right play, well, we can lose the game right here. And that's where I think it's going to be a different dynamic for them this year as compared to last. So do you think Goff takes them next level? I don't know what next level is. Yeah. Playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs and maybe a, game, a playoff maybe, win right, so they can right. reset the clock on how long it's been since they last won a playoff game and not celebrate 25 years from now that it's you know, been a quarter century since yeah. they won a playoff game. But I, Jared Goff is in the Kirk Cousins bucket for me. Guy who can get you, and we talked earlier about Alex Smith, why the Chiefs went and got Patrick Mahomes. Right. Got a guy who can take us so far. Now, Goff can take the Lions so far. Hasn't taken them yet to how far he can take them, but can he take them to the top? And I think that's something they're going to wrestle with, and this is a good problem for them to have. It's very different from the problem they've had the last 60 years. We're a perennial contender. We're banging our heads against the NFC Championship ceiling. We need a quarterback who can get us over the top. Sorry, Jared. This has run its course, and we find a franchise quarterback. I just don't think Goff, because we've seen Goff in that role. Super Bowl 53, Brandon Cooks wide open, second time they used to play that game. They surely, during the 25-minute halftime, said to him, we're going to call that play again, and instead of doing the crosser to Robert Woods, Cooks is wide open. It worked last time. If it works this time, Cooks is wide open, touchdown. In a low-scoring game, championship. And he missed him, waited too long. Jason McCourty ran over and broke up the pass, and that was that. So that's his ceiling. I just there, there are certain guys that are going to take you over the top, and there are certain guys that aren't. And I think Goff is potentially going to put the Lions where they're happy to be now, in the playoffs, and maybe win a wild card game, and we'll try to build on it next year. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. It is. You know, I don't want to – he's not a game manager. He's actually, I think, a better player now than he was with the Rams. I do. The Rams, everything was manufactured. I mean, everything. You know, here they kind of said, hey, wait, we, we don't have that type of team, so you need to sit here and make this throw. Like, this, we can't depend on Todd Gurley to run around the edge for 80 yards the next play, or McVay called the perfect play on a speed sweep or a fake speed sweep, play action, bomb, whatever. So, yeah, the, what I would say about Goff is if they can adhere to the formula we saw last year where it's run the ball and then they can dominate in the play-action pass game because that's where he was at his best last year. His play-action stats are through the roof. It's some of the best in football. And that's, where his, that's his wheelhouse. Now, if it becomes, wait, we can't run the ball quite the same and now we got Jared Goff has to drop back and be in the shotgun 30 times a game and we're throwing it, you know, high 30s, 40 times a game and he's got to make some plays? Absolutely not. I don't see that happening. He is a pocket-passing quarterback that is not going to do much to extend plays or do the things that you talk about all the time, the backyard stuff when the play breaks down. The play's got to work for him there. And they got a really good offensive coordinator. They got the O-line. We know that. Um, but, you know, there's no saying that they're just going to come into this year and dominate in the run game once again. And, and it's, of course, teams have studied what they do on the offensive side of the ball. So just, there's no guarantee there's a carry over that way. We're going to take a break. When we return, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow with an update on his calf injury and his looming, we think, contract extension. More PFT Live right after this. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I think, I mean, we're going to see how these next couple days play out because you never know with these things, but uh, I'm expecting to play 
uh, like I said, we'll see how these next couple days go. I would say this year it was it was different. I was able to, you know, maintain lifting through the whole process, so I'm in great shape, uh, as good a shape as I've, as I've been in heading into week one. Much different than last year when, you know, I was just trying to get back to full strength and full health. Um, I feel much better going into to week one this year. Two years ago, he was coming off of an ACL reconstruction. Last year, he had an appendectomy out of nowhere before the season began. This year, the calf injury that happened in late July that knocked him out for several weeks. Joe Burrow says he is ready to go as he enters the fourth season of his career. They visit the Browns on Sunday, a team that has bedeviled Burrow. He's 1-4 against the Browns in his career, which is just bizarre when yeah. you consider how he's kryptonite for Patrick Mahomes. Right. The Browns are kryptonite for the guy who's got the Mahomes kryptonite. It makes no sense. No, it, it doesn't make any sense, but that's why the NFL is great. It's a league of matchups, and sometimes even though you're better than a team in totality, it doesn't mean you match up that well with them, right? Uh, but, but, I mean, Burrow, you know, interesting to hear what he says. You know, I think he's at a different physical state than he was last year, like he was talking about. The fact that he got to work out, he didn't have the appendectomy where he couldn't do anything. You couldn't lift, you couldn't do anything to kind of, you know, build your body. At least he's got that. Uh, I was told by somebody that he got out in the practice field and it was just, you know, boom, 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 right down the field. And it looked like he hadn't missed a, missed a beat. So I certainly would expect him to be starting, you know, playing at his highest level. I don't know about that this weekend, but still, I think we're going to see damn good Joe Burrow pretty early on in the season. And of course, watch out for him and the Bengals. When he suffered that calf injury, my first reaction was he should not set foot on a field for practice or game until he gets his second contract. Here he is from yesterday talking about his lingering contract situation. Yeah, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. I'm worried about being the Browns right now. You know, that's going to come. I'm going to keep playing well. Uh, I feel great about the organization and everybody in the locker room and, and the coaching staff. And so, you know, that's icing on, on the cake to me. I'm, I'm just excited to be out here. Yeah, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be my whole career. Um, we're working towards making that happen. Uh, you know, you've seen what what the front office has done and what Zach has done in their time here. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a small part of that. And, you know, I'm excited to be a part of that. And we have great people in the locker room that grind every day that, are, you know, are excited to go and showcase their talents and excited to do it in the city of Cincinnati. You know, we have the best fans. And so this is this is where I want to be. I didn't hear everything that he said there. Yeah. I hope that everybody else did, but I heard enough. Yeah. I want to be here for the rest of my career, and we're working to make that happen. Yeah. That tells me they're talking about a Mahomes-style, ultra-long-term deal, and yeah. that leads me back toward one of my favorite topics. Oh, here we go. But this is the easiest way to avoid issues and problems. Give him a percentage of the salary cap. You've got certainty as to how many cents per dollar you're going to have available to put a team around him. It's easy, it's simple, it's overdue, and I think Mike Brown is the one contrarian owner who would be willing to say to the rest of them, I don't care that you don't want to do it. We're allowed to do it. I'm going to do it. I got this guy that I want to keep in Cincinnati. I don't want to have to go back and renegotiate his contract every two or three years. I want certainty for him, certainty for us, and I want to know that he's going to be our guy well into the future. And from a business standpoint, I don't see the, the problem with a team saying, okay, we got 
X dollars under the cap, and we're going to commit 14.78364%, whatever they negotiate, whatever that fine point is, that much of it is going to go to the quarterback every year, and we've got the rest of it for this team. There's an appeal to that. That's why I keep talking about it. It makes sense. You can get a guy under contract forever, and he's always protected against the market changing. And I think teams resist it, Chris, because the way it currently works, they get to screw the player for a little bit until they redo the deal. You get a year or two of, man, that guy's really underpaid. Well, nothing I can do about it. I just signed my contract. You know, the market's really changed. The salary cap's really changed. And you benefit from, just like early in the guy's career, when he's laboring under the slotted rookie contract, you have guy in maturing veteran contract where he gets screwed for a couple of years before they redo the deal. I don't think teams want to give that up. I I think there's there's probably a lot of things at play. First off, I think you're correct in just – you know, it, it does seem like we got something coming down the pipe more than a four or five year deal here for Joe Burrow that we might see an eight or 10 year deal that really does lock him up for a significant part of his career. And and I don't, of course, don't think they're crazy there either. You know, damn, he's the crown jewel of Cincinnati. We know that he's the man. We've, we've laughed about it. They were kind of like, ugh, they're ugly and not cool in their uniform. That was and, you. I know. Well, we, you laughed. Away. You're talking about you're you talking laughed. about. Yeah. I just want to make yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. we could really make. You know, we can go viral today. Are you saying the people in Cincinnati are ugly? Is no, that what you're saying? No, I was talking about the. I didn't think that's the, what you're saying, the, but it kind of came off the that uniform. Way. Sorry, I didn't yes. mean it to be like okay. that. The I uniforms that are ugly. The Cincinnati Bengals, purely to the football team, right? I got family that lives in Cincinnati. They're not ugly and they're cool, so I would never say they that. They said you're ugly. <laughs> they might, uh, or a pain <laughs> in the ass, one of the two. But um, you know, one, yeah, this is going to get done. I don't think he's really all that worried about it. He's certainly, you know, the prized possession, like I was saying. And then, to, you know, to your point, yeah, I just feel like, I, I don't know. I mean, Mike Brown, one, has traditionally been cheap. So I don't know if I necessarily think all of a sudden he's going to break the mold of uncheapness and show the rest of the league how to be frivolous with money. I guess that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is, your point is real. You're right. They get a little wiggle room of screwing the playovers the way the, the, the current system is set up you get a year or two going oh yeah he we're paying him like 10 million dollars less than market value right there is that the other thing that i come back to where i think it's a little tough in the scenario you're talking about is the if it's if it's going to be allotted 15 percent of the salary cap right I, i feel like that's hard for teams to wiggle with a little bit right just like we see with big contracts now there's one year it counts a bunch of money the next year it doesn't count to that same percent because they got other guys that are getting paid or whatever else right am i making sense there do you know what i'm trying to say I like just, if it's you a make flat it a percent, percentage you, you make it you make it a percentage right. of the total overall salary cap each year uh, yeah well what i'm saying is that makes it very hard on football teams to balance the checkbook is what the i'm trying to say the other thing you can do Right. The other thing you can do is tie it to something like the franchise tag calculation, how it used to be. Burrow is guaranteed to always be making as much as the average of the highest paid. Okay, that, that I could see That's maybe happening thing. more. That's I can see that, that better. That could, but it, I don't think he's going to agree to an ultra-long-term deal without that protection. And meanwhile, meanwhile, with each passing day now, the Bengals have him at under $5 million for this year. And that's never going to be fixed that's what we always said about Lamar Jackson yes he eventually got a great contract but he had to wait two years for it yeah that money's never coming back yeah I know there's money that will never come back if you don't do it now and the danger for the Bengals Joe Burrow's being very reasonable he wants to be there if they screw around though there's a point just like I feel the same way about Justin Jefferson there's a point where 
okay, I was patient, I was nice, I wanted to be here, and you took advantage of my good nature. Now I'm just going to play out my time, I'm going to let you tag me twice, and then I'm going to go be a free agent. That's, I'm not saying that we're there yet, but that's the risk if the Bengals try to take advantage of Joe Burrow being a nice guy in this situation. He's being nicer than I think he should be, but I think he's saying we'll see if they... If they do things right, yeah. maybe they won't. That, yeah. We'll see. I, the, the, maybe they'll be smart. They're going to do their best to take care of them to their utmost cheap ability. Cheap and smart is better than cheap and stupid. It's also better than, you know, spend all your money and stupid. Mike Brown, I think, is smart enough to know he better not play around with Joe Burrow. And at yeah. some point, you got to call the ball and do the deal. All right, we're going to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Tonight's the night. It's coming tonight. Hot damn tonight. The Lions at the Chiefs to get the season started. Game one of 272. There were several games that would have fit this bill. I just wonder nationally. I was talking to an executive yesterday about this because there's always concern about the ratings. Right. Nationally, are people going to say, ooh, the Lions and the Chiefs? People who are ardent football fans who are locked into it the way we are on a constant basis are going to say, That's right. ooh, the Lions and the Chiefs. Right. So give us a, something football-related, something X's and O-ish, right. something matchup-related that if anybody is just stumbling across this show today because they haven't been paying attention and now it's football season, why should they be excited about this Lions-Chiefs game? Well, well one, I mean, hey, listen, we know Mahomes and the Chiefs and they're the, an offensive show on a weekly basis, so that's always worth watching and fun to see. But then, hey, Aiden Hutchin, a budding superstar on that side of the ball for the Detroit Lions, does he take the next step and become, you know, the T.J. Watt, Nick Bosa type of guy here where we go, whoa, like, like he's, he's next level now. I think that's something to watch for. And then, of course, the Lions, I think the thing to watch for X's and O's wise is we've hit on it a few times, is just, hey, they're, they're old school and watch out their run game. They, they're going to try to bludgeon the Kansas City Chiefs defensive line here, especially without Chris Jones. We're going to see that until they go, okay, wait, we can't do it, and then we got to do something else. And I think that's going to be the big thing. And the Chiefs are not incredibly big in the middle of their defense, and just to see what they're going to do this, in this game. Spags is the, and Andy Reid are the ultimate game planners, right? Spags with this time off, with, without Chris Jones and all that, I'm interested to see kind of what he brings to the table tonight and how aggressive they are in kind of crowding the line of scrimmage. You know, it's funny. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the line, said over the weekend that they may use rookie Jameer Gibbs in ways that people don't expect. And yeah. We're thinking innovation. I think, well, you got David Montgomery. Put them both in the backfield at the same time. Put them the old school pro set well, def- uh, offensive backfield with the two running backs in you know, the yeah. three-point stance ready oh, to get like the Oh, like old-school Giants football. Yeah. But Gibbs, I, Gibbs is one of the home-run hitters on this football team. They don't have a ton of home-run hitters on the offensive side of the ball, so yeah. he's one of them that can go to the house from anywhere. Quick break. We'll wrap up this Thursday. I had to stop and think of what day it is. Thursday. It's football day. Edition of PFT Live right after this. 
We're in Kansas City, but hey. I said I was going to decorate the place, and look what we did. Well, we got Milo. We got Milo. We got the dog here. Get the dog over this way just a little bit so we can look at I saw Milo. the dog and the jersey. I just said that they got to get him in here. We got a lot of Lions fans walking around yes. the, the hotel here, so yeah. they are excited about the potential. Yeah, well, and you know, even though it's going to be a crazy night for Kansas City Chiefs fans, the Lions fans understand this could be a good year, and they're going to be out in full force, and we got Milo, and... We got at least just in the nick of time. We got a little football flavor. Little football here, so we appreciate flavor here. you bringing Milo by. Yeah, the Lions couple, they live in Philadelphia, right? So they're all messed up in the head here, but is, they at least know they, they're a football team. Is this enough to get you? Is this like karma? Is this a message? Are you going to pick the Lions to win tonight? Or are we going to have to watch the Picks podcast later today to see? Uh, yeah, they got to tune in to NBC tonight to see who I'm going to I don't know. Milo, Milo may be enough to sway me in the other direction. Is Milo going to the game tonight? Milo. He'll be at the game. He's service dog, so he's allowed in the stadium. All right. We'll be looking for Milo tonight. Don't drink too many beers, Milo. Pee on him. (laughs) Pee on him on the sideline. Enjoy the game tonight. See you tomorrow. See ya. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.